the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, and just, I just flew in from D.C., and boy, are my arms tired. You literally did. You were at the Tea Party uh, conference back right. there, which was also timed with the Turning Point conference, I understand. It was. We have a wonderful picture of, Car- of, my, of Carolyn with uh, Jim Jordan. Wow. That's awesome. So you got some celebrity status. Well, hey, we've got a celebrity on the uh, line with us right now. Absolutely. He comes to us straight from a beautiful park in downtown Manhattan. He's going to be featured uh, on July the 30th. He is going to join us for the exclusive San Bernardino Riverside premiere of Dinesh D'Souza's brand new movie, Death of a Nation. And we're talking about none other than Brandon Strock, who is the founder and face, literally, of the hashtag walkaway campaign. Brandon, it's great to have you with us straight from a beautiful park in downtown Manhattan. Yes, uh, it's great to be talking with you guys. Well, I got to tell you, we are so excited to have you uh, join us out here in Southern California. You have tons of fans, and they're so looking forward to meeting you and hearing from you on Monday night at this premiere. It's great that uh, all this worked out. We're we're excited to have you with us. We've already sold it out too. So we put it, we put up the uh, um, Friday night, yep. and we are this. The, we took the largest theater we could get about 190 seats, and it is sold out as of today. Yeah, Thursday actually so yeah it's great to have you with us go ahead i think that's unbelievable well it is testimony honestly people out here love dinesh d'souza but i can't tell you how many people that i mentioned that you were going to be a part of this too and they they just i just think that that's unbelievable and i'm so excited yep well, we're excited to have you as a part of it. So, you just got back from Europe. Any any anything that happened in Europe that uh, was that was noteworthy? You want to share with us before we get into uh, updating everybody on the whole walk away campaign and what's going on? Yeah, actually, there were there were a few cool moments that that happened. Uh, I spent uh, some time in London, and I spent a good amount of time in Greece. And the time I was in Greece, I, I spent three of those days on a cruise ship, and um, it was fantastic. But uh, one uh, one really cool thing that happened was you know there I was on a on a cruise ship on the way to Mykonos in Greece and uh, I was wearing one of my hashtag walkaway t-shirts and um, another American was on the the cruise ship and uh, he came up to me and he said uh, hey pointed at the shirt and said uh, hey it's, I guess this is a real thing and I kind of said uh, yeah he chuckled and said what do you mean and he said, yeah, I've been reading in the, in the press a lot that this, you know, it might be Russian bots and this and that. And he's like, but, you know, I, here you are, a real person wearing it. And I said, yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually the founder of it. And uh, he just totally bugged out and was like, you're the guy from the video? You're the-? I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And uh, he was super, super excited about it. And then I ran into him a few more times. And, and there was actually um, somebody from Greece also on the, the cruise ship who also recognized uh, Walkaway and the Walkaway campaign. So it was like a really, really... Uh, cool to know that not only are we gaining 
obviously a ton of traction in the United States, but people all across the globe are hearing about Walkaway. It's very exciting. Well, it is exciting that it's uh, gone beyond the shores of America, and maybe there's some people in Europe that need to walk away from socialism. Run away from socialism. Yes. Run away. But, you know, we, we all know who you are, and we're familiar with the walkaway movement. Uh, but for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with it, you started as a liberal. You were crying after Hillary Clinton lost in November 2016. Tell us how you got from there to walking away from what you had believed in. Well, not what you believed in, but from walking away from the Democrat Party that you'd always voted for up to that point. Sure. Sorry, I'm laughing a little bit because uh, whenever I do these interviews, people love to say, you were crying, you were crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I was, though. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah, it's true. I was a lifelong Democrat voter, um, lifelong liberal. And as I often say, uh, it's, it was kind of by default because, you know, I'm a, I'm a gay man. And I think that the typical notion is that if you're a minority, whether that be a racial minority, an LGBT person, or honestly, even a woman, women are expected uh, to vote Democrat and, and to be liberals. And certainly if you have a woman running for president, women are expected to, to follow suit and vote for her. Um, I, uh, I personally became really disenchanted with what I saw happening within the whole ideology of liberalism. Now, you know, a lot of people who have never embraced liberalism will tell me, well, it was always that way. You know, maybe that's true. I guess I'm kind of finding that out now. But for me, uh, you know, I became a liberal because I felt like that's where I should be if I am against racism, if I'm against uh, judging people based off of their sexual orientation, if I'm, a, if I'm against, um, you know, uh, uh, gender inequality. Uh, th- these were the messages that I got that this is where I should be. However, interestingly enough, as the years went by, what I started to find were that liberals were becoming extremely uh, hostile towards white people. They were becoming extremely hostile towards men. They were becoming extremely hostile towards heterosexual uh, white men. And um, I didn't want any part of it because, you know, I don't, personally, I don't draw a distinction between being nasty to somebody between, because they're gay or being nasty to somebody because they're straight. I don't draw a distinction between being nasty to somebody because they're black or being nasty to them because they're white. I think that they're they're both bad. And, um, you know, for liberals, this is sort of what they've they've come to embrace. This is what has become their mantra now. And I don't want it. And it's almost to to the point of, of, of how extreme they're going, how ridiculous they're going, is they break it down even further than that. So in their totem pole, oops, microaggression, of preferences as a white gay male... You're down, you're, you're, you're down the totem pole from some other categories in their hierarchy of preferences. Yes, it's the privilege hierarchy. It's the privilege and victimhood hierarchy. And um, yeah, it's, and it's funny that you should say that because that was actually sort of a very instrumental uh, discovery that I made, which helped in my transition. You know, around 2015, when the Supreme Court enacted uh, marriage equality as the law of the land, Uh, I thought that this was like a huge turning point for the gay community. I thought that this was a moment of great celebration and crossing a finish line. What ended up happening instead of us, you know, kind of celebrating, you know, a cultural victory is that instantly I started hearing uh, about uh, non-binary people and gender fluid people. And suddenly these people were a part of our community. And suddenly I was a privileged white gay man and uh, that these people were victims and that I, uh, you know, that I should shut my mouth because I didn't know anything about their 
their plight and their experience. And I just thought, you know, what is happening? Mm. What in the world is happening to, and, and why are we calling ourselves a community? You know, and, and also just one more gay reference was, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, pride is, is always supposed to have been this, this uh, event that we have where people kind of come together and celebrate as a community. Well, what started happening a couple of years ago now is they want to add a black stripe and a brown stripe to the pride flag to distinguish black gay people are, you know, non-binary people, whatever. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so now people have said, well, are we going to add a white stripe? And they became enraged. Well, of course we're not going to add a white stripe. Every day is white pride day, don't you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just becoming so splintered and fragmented. And, you know, this is, I, I often say uh, it's, it's a disingenuous slogan of the left that diversity is our strength. Couldn't be more untrue. The, the opposite of diversity is unity, as a matter of fact. It just occurs to me that if it's non-binary gender, whatever, 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 as a gay man, as a gay male, if you were to uh, become think that you're now a woman, is now and there's now attracted, still attracted to men, does that mean you're no longer gay? See, this is where it starts to become like algebra, and I was never good at math. <laughs> Right. I was, I was doing, yeah. I was doing an interview recently with someone else, and he started pulling this on me. And I was like, you know, I was never good at math, and I, I can't keep up with this. I have no, you know, I don't know. It is amazing. Well, listen, you are uh, you are responsible for a, a a movement that is growing by leaps and bounds. Before you left for Europe, I'm not sure exactly how many members there were in the hashtag Walk Away campaign Facebook. Uh, group, but there are today 157,342 members, and that kind yep. of success always seems to, I don't know, flush out a few detractors, and there are a few detractors, and we want to find out, is the walkaway campaign really nothing more than a group of Russian bots? We want to get into that with you when we return on the Unite IE radio show after a quick break from our sponsor. After this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. If you're considering a new home purchase or a refinance of a current home, and you know everything about every financial option, your income is plain vanilla, straight salary, and you've got perfect credit, then perhaps dealing with one of those online lenders you see on TV makes sense. However... If you don't consider yourself a financial expert and you want someone you can trust to listen to what you're looking for and suggest the best option for you, then call us at Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. Whether you're a millennial buying your first house, a baby boomer wondering how to get out of debt before retirement, or a retiree who needs a plan to help you live more comfortably, we can find products and strategies to fit your scenario. In the age of rising interest rates, increasing home values, and mortgage products that are changing daily, you might want to talk to the experts that can help you navigate through some options to figure out the best plan for you. Call Wholesale Capital at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, weekends right here on AM590, The Answer. AM590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. We are privileged right now to be speaking with Brandon Strzok, who is the face and the founder and the energy 
behind the hashtag walkaway campaign that has Democrats all across the country documenting their walkaway story on the Facebook page that Brandon Strzok, our guest here today, has uh, put together on the hashtag walkaway campaign Facebook page. And Brandon, you're going to be joining us uh, here in Southern California on Monday for Dinesh D'Souza's premiere of his brand new movie. And you're going to be there having a little bit of a discussion and a meet and greet following the movie. We're so pleased to have you out here to Southern California. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm super excited about it. So I teased a little bit before the show, but apparently uh, there are a couple people out there that would like everybody in America to think that somehow this is nothing more than a group of Russian bots stirring up trouble in America in advance of the midterms. Uh, David Hogg. Uh, the face of the Parkland uh, shooting survivor group tweeted out uh, and repeated, I think, uh, that the walkaway campaign is nothing more than Russian bots. He said it five times. If he had said it a sixth, I might have believed him, Brandon, but he only said it five. So I can't, he's probably not the only. <laughs> so, so confirm for us right now is the walkaway yes. campaign. Nothing more than a group of uh, rogue Russian bots. Well, I mean, we also have paid actors. Don't forget about that. (laughs) Crisis actors, yes. Yes, we have paid actors, Russian bots. Um, No, actually, uh, as I love to tell people, I mean, this is all very very easy to clear up if people would like to simply go to the hashtag walkaway campaign page on Facebook. Uh, you're going to find thousands of video testimonials, uh, written testimonials as well, thousands more of those, but um, thousands of video testimonials of people actually telling their stories about why they're walking away from the left and people on the right talking about why, uh, what it means to be a conservative to them and, and welcoming people from the left over. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't try to pay much attention at this point to uh, the people doing the Russian bots thing. and. One thing I'd like to say, too, because I think you've mentioned 157,000 people on Facebook. Well, it's important to remember, too, there are many, many, many people who don't use Facebook. Right. And uh, so, I mean, there are, there are walkaways on Twitter. There are walkaways on Instagram. There are walkaways on Reddit. Uh, walkaways all over the place. And, and I think it also is important to mention, unfortunately, we still live in a time where many, many people are afraid to come out and tell their story. So, I mean, I literally receive thousands of messages privately all the time with people telling me their testimonials. Now, I don't expect anybody on the left to believe me. That's fine. But it is the truth that um, in addition to what you see plainly before you on social media, there are many, many, many people behind the scenes who are also walking away but aren't at a place yet where they're ready to talk about it. Of course, when they go to the Your Russian Bot shows they have no argument they have exactly. no they, they they cannot refute anything that you say but you, but the point you make about the the price tell us about the price that you've paid for being public with this well <laughs> the the price that i've paid for it is that you know i've i've taken a, a pretty good licking uh you know in the press uh to a certain degree you know there's certainly been a number of hit pieces and on um on a on a personal level See, the public stuff doesn't bother me that much. Right. Um, I realize that, you know, they, they're going to do that. That's what they do. They're doing their job. You know, their job is to try to shut down, walk away, and try to convince everyone that everything is rosy and perfect and things are going well on the left when they're not going well at all. Um, what's really painful is uh, what's happening on a personal level between me and, and people who have known me my entire life. Um, and, and, of course, I'm sure that you 
have read or seen that I was denied service a few weeks ago in a store uh, from people who recognized me from the walkaway campaign and accused me of being alt-right. Um, so, I mean, the, the price that I'm paying is where I really feel it is when people who have known me since I was a kid and been my friend for, you know, 20 plus years um, are now calling me on the phone and screaming at me and saying that they want nothing to do with me anymore or slandering me on social media and saying that, uh, you know, I'm on drugs, that I've had a nervous breakdown, that um, I've gone, I've been brainwashed or gone crazy, um, that kind of thing. You know, and it is amazing that have any of them ever ever thought to just sit down and ask you why? Tell me what it was that you saw. What was it that made you decide to alter your political worldview the way you did? Has anyone of your friends engaged you at that level? To this day, not a single one. And this is something that I find, find absolutely astounding. Um, you know, if it were, if it were me and, any, and, and what happened to me happened to any one of my friends, I would not be able to, to keep myself from calling them on the phone and saying, help me understand. Sure. Help me understand what's going on here. Um, no, not one of them. And um, I, in fact, I had another uh, very close friend, very, very close friend, uh, text me uh, just five, five, six days ago. And um, it, was, it was actually, I think it was as, as kind as she was capable of being at the time. But she said, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't agree with you whatsoever. I need to take some space from you. Um, I know that in time we'll get past this, but I just can't deal with this. And, uh, you know, and I thought to myself, you've never even asked me how I feel. Right. What I, you know, I mean, you, and this is a good friend and she's a good person, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a good quality person. And, um, but this is what, this is what, uh, I, I believe the media has done to people. It, it, it is it is a, it is cr- a crazy phenomenon unfolding in this country right well, now. Well, I think much more because they can. People, liberals, and people on the left can live in their bubble and never directly hear from a conservative or hear conservatism. But because on our side, it is so pervasive in the media and the culture, we can't do that. So it, it's we 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 get liberalism. And we're aware of it. So it's not like these people who have never talked to a conservative and become unable to even to fathom what you're thinking. Right. Well, and I mean, what I've really discovered, too, from being on now both sides is that the, the key difference is that conservatives care about issues. They, they care about having conversations, uh, and, and, you know, in debates and discussions about issues and policies and plans. Liberals are all about uh, perceived morality and, and the belief that they themselves have a superior sense of morality and that people on the right have a very deficient sense of morality and that it's almost their obligation to keep the world in check, you know, from these people that you know, they've, they've allowed themselves at this point to believe that people on the right are fascists, people on the right are bigots, that they're Nazis and it's, that, it's their job and their responsibility to keep keep that at bay. I mean, this is how they've allowed themselves to reach this point of entitlement now. I mean, you have Maxine Waters telling people to circle around people in a, in a parking lot or a gas station and, and intimidate them and, and harass them. And the reason why they're able to tell themselves that that's perfectly acceptable behavior is because they think 
that they are shutting down Nazis and, and bigots and racists. And it's like, I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. It's just indoctrination. We're, if this voice sounds familiar, it's because it should be. This is Brandon Strzok, the voice, the face of the hashtag walkaway campaign, joining us on the Unite IE radio show, just like he's going to be joining us here in the Inland Empire on Monday evening for the San Bernardino Riverside exclusive premiere of Dinesh D'Souza's newest movie, Death of a Nation. We'll be right back with more with Brandon Strzok as we continue on the Unite IE radio show. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we have one on the line, Brandon Strzok, who is now fulfilling his obligations in his most important political office, founder of the Walkaway Movement. Where are you going with this, or do you know where you're going with this? Is this going to merge from an organization, a movement? Uh, where, what are your plans for Walkaway? I think it's fair at this point to say that we are, we're a movement. Uh, we've, we, we're officially a movement. But um, where it's headed is uh, I, I do have some plans. Uh, I, I, I like to sort of let things naturally and organically unfold because that is how the campaign started and that's how the campaign has been unfolding. One thing I can tell you with certainty is um, we are going to be um, uh, transitioning into a nonprofit uh, very, very soon, mm-hmm. uh, like very soon. And um, and one some of the things that we hope to accomplish as a nonprofit are, I would love to assemble an amazing team of uh, of, of speakers of all different uh, walks of life and all different backgrounds, get more people out there on the college campuses talking to America's youth and give those kids um, some uh, different perspectives than what they're getting currently uh, in their university educations. Uh, we can't possibly have too much of that, I don't think. Um, I want to be doing some public uh, speaking uh, engagements and also um, people in the walkaway campaign are very interested in local chapters. Um, I I can tell you guys, I really did not anticipate when I did this how much people wanted and needed this. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit reticent to say, but it's, for many people, it's a bit of a, it's a network of support. I mean, it's like a support group and, and people want to actually, yeah, people want to actually meet up with others, uh, who are, who are like-minded because, you know, I think that people have felt oppressed for so long and felt like they couldn't really just say what they were feeling or talk about what they believe. 
And now they've found all of this support and they found that there's so many other people, so many other people who are feeling exactly the same way they're feeling. They want to meet up with them and they want to, you know, develop those networks and those relationships. There's a lot of things that we want to do. I mean, people are asking me, is this going to turn into a new political party? That's not my intention. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not my intention at all. And, and, and if I'm going to answer that question today, no. But I, as I say, I mean, never say never, because as this thing organically builds and grows and unfolds, who knows where walk away will go? I mean, I'm kind of letting the people have the power and see what it is that they want and where this should go. And this isn't so much about where people are walking away to. It's more about what are they walking away from? Yes. Mm-hmm. Be- because the natural Absolutely. question is, where, where are these people going? Are they going to the Republican Party? Are they going where, where are they going to? And I think that what you're what we're hearing you say is that that's that's, uh, you know, a part of the evolution of this. Maybe down the road right now, there are so many people out there that need to be introduced to the idea of what they're walking away from. We would love to help you establish an Inland Empire Southern California chapter for those folks that are out here in our area that are walking away from progressive liberalism, which is dragging California into a hellhole. Brandon Strzok, hashtag walkaway campaign. Thank you so much for being with us here on the Unite IE Radio Show today. And we are so looking forward to having you Uh, here with us up close and personal and shaking your hand Monday evening for the premiere of Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, Death of a Nation, and for the opportunity to meet and greet and hear from you. So, Brandon, safe travels, and we look forward to seeing you Monday evening. Thank you so much, and I really look forward to that, too. I can't wait. Thank you, Brandon. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. What a great half hour we had visiting with Brandon Strzok of the hashtag walkaway campaign. So looking forward to seeing him here Monday night. And Greg, one of the things we encourage people to do here on the Unite IE radio show is to get involved. Go out to your city council, your school board meetings, your water board meetings, and engage at that level and uh, let people know exactly uh, what it is you feel about about anything that's developing in your community. And one of the things that happens at all of these meetings is as the meeting opens up, there is the, uh, uh, what I want to say, usual prayer and flag salute that opens up every one of these meetings. It really is sort of a part of the American fabric that when we start any kind of a governmental or legislative meeting, we open it in prayer and we say uh, the the flag salute in that order. But that may be coming to an end for school board meetings, Greg, because there was a decision in the Ninth Circuit Court regarding a case involving a local school district, the Chino Valley Unified School District, where an organization called the Freedom from Religion sued the Chino Valley Unified School District uh, about their practices regarding prayer and to help us understand exactly what the implications of this lawsuit and the recent Ninth Circuit Court decision is Bob Tyler. He's an attorney with the firm Tyler and Birch, and he also is a part of an organization or 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 is a, a founder, if you will, of an organization called Advocates for Faith and Freedom. Bob Tyler, welcome to the Unite IE Radio Show. Glad to be back with you guys again. Thank you. Well, we wish it was under more pleasant circumstances because I think you're about to uh, uh, tell us about a case that was just uh, decided that 
could be ha, have whittled away another notch against uh, you know religious freedom, if you will, or I, I want to say not so much religious freedom, but at least the foundation of our country based in our right. Christian faith. Right. It has to do with the Establishment Clause. And, you know, the Establishment Clause is that provision in our uh, Constitution that says that the government uh, needs to stay out of religion. It was never intended to mean that religion must stay out of government. Uh, however, the Supreme Court rulings from the 40s and and moving forward has been interpreted to basically invent this so-called separation of church and state, which uh, was, is not written into our Constitution. And so that's really what this case this case is about. But this is amazing because there there is Supreme Court precedent that <clears throat> these kind of prayers before the beginning of a government meeting, a school board, city council, state legislature, U.S. Congress are constitutional. But somehow we end up with this ruling in this case where the Chino Valley or the Chino Hills School District that it's unconstitutional. Yeah. How do we how do we get to the ruling in this case? Well, you're right, Greg, and it's interesting. In the, in the 1980s, there was a case that. Uh, the, the question was raised as to whether or not the Nebraska state legislature's practice of allowing invocations before state legislative meetings, before the state legislative body, was or was not constitutional. And the court said, yes, we have all of this so-called separation of church and state dogma that's out there, but, you know, this is an exception to the general rule that we're establishing in regard to the separation of church and state. Uh, this is an exception to the rule because it's in our long history of rich tradition in the United States of allowing invocations to ceremonialize uh, the event, to solemnize the event. And and so that's a, a practice that's that's been ongoing. And so... Uh, from the 1980s on, there was the big question, and it was often litigated, well, what about in the case of a city council or, or a, a, another local governing body? Um, and there were cases going different ways. Finally, in 2014, the U.S. Supreme Court settled that and said, look, the legislative prayer exception to the general rule applies just like it did in the 1980s to the Nebraska State Legislature. It applies to local governing bodies, specifically in that case, the city council. And it applies to city council. It's the same thing. Uh, city councils, just like the state legislature and other local governing bodies, have allowed prayer and invocation before their meetings. And typically what the standard practice is all across the country is that the invocations uh, are typically made by a local priest, rabbi, imam, or some other faith. And they're all invited. They're all given an opportunity to sign up for a week during the year or more, however many. It's a first-come, first-serve. There's no basis for the, the policies that are used across the nation in local governing bodies are, are religiously neutral. They're not demanding any particular faith. And they even say, in your prayers, we ask that you would be somewhat neutral. Um, that's fairly typical. And the U.S. Supreme Court said, look, you know, even in that case, they don't have to be neutral. If a Christian stands up and they want to pray to Jesus, they can pray to Jesus. If a you know, Buddhist gets up, they can pray to Buddha. It doesn't matter. And ultimately, what we argued in this case is that that same rule should apply to school districts. 
that's a local governing body carrying on the business of a school, typically uh, overseeing budgets of millions upon millions of dollars, managing the affairs, employment contracts, all these types of things, same things the cities do. Mm-hmm. Ninth, Ninth Circuit, however, said, but kids are involved. And, and our, well, wait a minute, kids are involved at city council meetings as well. They show up to city council. I've been to many city council meetings where there's lots of kids there. They're, they're there for, you know, an award because they're, you know, athletic team won the state championship. They're there because they got an Eagle Scout award. They're there because the choir's giving a singing presentation before the city council meeting. All sorts of things. So um, that was the Ninth Circuit's ultimate rationale in this case, is that, well, kids are present. And um, therefore, we're not going to apply the exception to the general rule, and we're not going to follow the, ninth, the U.S. Supreme Court precedent from 2014. Amazing. You know, there's not, it's, this is not, this particular case is not just about prayer before a school board meeting. There's another very important element to this, and we want to explore this with you. We got to take a quick break, Bob. We will be right back with Bob Tyler, Tyler and Bursch, talking about a very important decision by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals concerning prayer before school board meetings. We'll be back in a moment after our break to honor our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, See how far we've gone. John Adams told us that uh, our Constitution was made for a religious and moral people and is unsuitable for the governance of any other. And now we're talking about a decision that a school board cannot begin its session with a prayer as is done in the Congress and in the state legislature and city councils all across the country. And school board meetings. And school board meetings. Up until maybe this decision, which is what we're exploring here with Bob Tyler, our guest from Tyler and Birch. But, but, but the decision went one step even beyond the school board, as I know from what I've read, is that they can't let members of the public in public comment say anything religious. Quote from the Bible, cite to the Bible. Is that true? Uh, let me explain it. And, and it's a little, it's a little uh, complicated, but there was an injunction issued by the district court. And that injunction said that the school board must not permit uh, anyone from engaging in an activity that would uh, otherwise endorse school-sponsored prayer, school board meetings. And when the Freedom from Religion Foundation made their arguments, they argued that, wait a minute, after this injunction was issued, there were individuals who came forward during public comment, and they said, look, we object to that district court enjoining the school district's invocation. So 
I'm going to use my opportunity right now during public comment to pray, and I'm going to pray for the school board, and I'm going to pray for this meeting. And so individuals uh, would do that, and the the uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation said, you know, when they do that, when these private citizens step up and actually do this invocation themselves, when they pray, that's like a de facto school-sponsored invocation, and, and that can't be permissible. And uh, the Ninth Circuit wrote and said, it's appropriate for this injunction to require that the school board prevent those people from doing that. Hmm. Even though those those individuals are private citizens who have the right to get up in a public meeting and give their two minutes or three minutes uh, and say whatever they want to say. And so what's, what's dangerous about this ruling is that the Ninth Circuit is effectively saying that it is not even permissible for individuals to stand up and give their own prayer. Uh, does that mean... Uh, one who might recite the Lord's Prayer by memory? Or does it mean that someone, you know, if they stand up and they say, you know, I pray that you do such and such, is that illegal? Um, do they have to shut them down? Must there be a police officer standing wow. by the podium to make sure nobody goes uh, overboard and makes a reference to a deity and standing there at the podium? Well, that's and what so I was going to... Honestly, that's what I was going to ask you, because I've been to many of these meetings where people begin to go over their time limit, for instance, or right. they might do something outside the procedures, because I guess there's limited... When you're up at the podium, you're addressing the city council or the school board. If you turn around and start picking out a member of the audience and start directing comments to them, that's outside you know, the parameters of what you're supposed to be doing when you're at that podium. And if you continue, they'll literally, they could literally direct the deputy that's there or the police officer to drag you off if you persist. I mean, that's, they have the power of law behind them. So in this case, are you saying that we are about to test uh, brand new unplowed ground regarding a person at the podium uh, doing any of those examples. What happens if they do? That's exactly right. I mean, that is what, that's what's so dangerous about this. At what point in time, when, where does the right of the government effectively, I mean, they're put, putting the, well, they're, in one sense, they're putting the onus on, on the Chino Valley Unified School District in this case, but they're also, because this case applies to the entire Ninth Circuit, they're effectively giving uh, school boards the ability to censor these individuals and, and shut them down. So um, I, I think it's so dangerous because that is a time when individuals should have the right to petition and uh, petition their politicians for, you know, the issues they're concerned with. Right. And you also have the First Amendment rights of the citizens and who were never party to this case. What, what, has, exactly. hap- what, what has happened? Has, has anyone tested this? Has, has, has the school board been arresting people? Have they been turning off the mic? Has, has this come up while this injunction has been in effect? Um, it, it has come up because individuals did come forward, private citizens, that said, um, you know, we don't agree with this district court injunction. And so uh, individual private citizens uh, came to the school board meetings thereafter. And uh, on 
one or more occasions, I'm not sure how many, there, uh, my understanding is there was individuals who actually stood there and said, I'm going to pray, and they did pray. Now, at the time, the school board did nothing because they respect the value of the First Amendment, the right of these individuals to free speech and be able to say what they want to say. And, you know, it's long been held, it's long been understood that this public comment period is a period for free speech. Now, um, when this happened, the Freedom from Religion Foundation cried foul and said, wait, wait, wait a minute, these uh, these people are in a conspiracy with the school board members. Mm-hmm. And we wrote back and said, no, they're not. These are just private citizens who are exercising their right to free speech, and they have nothing to do. The school board didn't sponsor this or endorse it or tell these people to come do this. And so uh, the Freedom from Religion Foundation uh, didn't agree and threatened to uh, file motions to hold the school board in contempt of court for allowing this to happen. Now, we said at the time, we said, go ahead, file a motion for contempt. You'll never get it. Well, now, with the Ninth Circuit's uh, ruling and what they said here, I'm not so sure anymore. They may very well be able to go to court and ask a judge to sanction and hold the school board members in contempt because some private citizen came up and, you know, quoted some mem- some verse from the Bible or from the Koran or something else. Wow. Somehow, somehow I don't think that the freedom from religion would object to quoting from the Koran. I don't know, but I do. Why do I have a feeling that, that 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 would be so? Are you going to appeal or seek review in the U.S. Supreme Court on this case? Actually, if you would, let's hold that question until after our break because we have to take a break right now and come back. But that's a great question, a great cliffhanger as to where this goes after this. Uh, we were speaking to Bob Tyler. He is a senior partner with the law firm Tyler and Birch and also involved with an organization that stands up for faith-based values called Advocates for Faith and Freedom. And we'll be right back with an answer to that question. And Bob, also, we've got a little bit of trivia for you, a little Unite IE trivia to share with you when we return after a break from a word for a word from our sponsor. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. Many of who, those private citizens that we know, Greg, go to city council meetings, go to school board meetings. And a very important part of that meeting, of course, is the prayer that those start out with, often delivered by a member of the community, and then the flag salute. We have a case now 
that was decided by the Ninth Circuit Court that we're talking to Bob Tyler about regarding a situation that developed with the Chino Valley Unified School District. And that decision we're unpacking right now involving that prayer. And the Ninth Circuit Court seems disposed to be stopping prayer at school board meetings and also uh, individuals who get up to speak at the podium uh, from them invoking prayer. Uh, I mentioned a little trivia uh, any guesses, Bob, what that trivia is that involves you and the Unite IE radio show? Well, let me see. It was four years since I was uh, on your last show. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's about that. For the first time? You, you were actually one of our first, if not our first guests on the Unite IE radio show back in two, in the in the uh, winter of 2013 yeah. uh, when we started the show. You came up here to the studio and yeah. I remember meeting you for the first time. You were recommended by uh, then station manager Brad uh, Anderson and I uh-huh. can't even remember now what we were talking. Oh, I remember. We were talking about another case involving religious uh, freedom in schools where a kid had brought in a Bible verse. Actually, you know um, what? Go ahead. That was that was probably the 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 second interview or third interview. The first interview had to do with uh, a a lawsuit that we filed against the county because they were taking land from a church. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the uh, uh, Calvary Chapel, Marietta, Marietta Hills. Yes, or Marietta. Yeah. Right, right. I, I, actually, Bob doesn't like to talk about that first interview because I mean that that was. Uh, it was his best and our worst. Yeah, we, we, we no, were just getting started no. with that. Lots of fun. That was so, great. I was excited to be a part. Thank you, sir. We have, we have five justices, assuming, uh, assuming Kavanaugh is, is confirmed, that have a, have a strong, are strong and protective of the First Amendment. Uh, do you plan to seek review in the U.S. Supreme Court of this uh, outrageous Ninth Circuit decision? Sure. You know, um, I have to say that this is ultimately a decision of the Chino Valley Unified School District, the board. We will get together with them uh, shortly, be making a decision as to how to proceed exactly. Um, it um, This is a case that is ripe for uh, review in the higher courts. Uh, first, potentially by a what we call an en banc review, where we ask the entirety of the Ninth Circuit, uh, to the, all the Ninth Circuit judges to uh, reconsider this ruling, and then uh, from there potentially to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, you know the Chino Valley uh, Unified School uh, District Board has um, all along uh, affirmed that you know they are uh, in this uh, to uh, protect uh, the First Amendment from abuse, and that's really what we're seeing here. It's a it's an abusive interpretation of the of the establishment clause of the First Amendment. And so I, I won't be surprised if they if they do choose to uh, uh, take this up further in the courts of appeal uh, into the Supreme Court, and um, we'll be right along with them. We're providing all of our services pro bono, so um, mm, that's awesome. Makes the decision a little easier for them. And if you are so disposed, given that you just mentioned that, you can go to Advocates for Faith and Freedom, and there is a place on the menu to donate. So if you think prayer in places like school board meetings and at schools and in front of city council meetings and wherever this may lead, because truly, this is the slippery slope that the left loves, isn't it, Bob? 
It is, and, and, and let me say, we're not advocating for prayer by a school teacher in the classroom. This is about right. an invocation in a governing public body before a public meeting wherein people of all faiths are allowed to come and sign up to give a prayer. And if so if you want to contribute to this effort of defending prayer at school board meetings, uh, go to Advocates for Faith and Freedom, that website, Faith hyphen freedom.com and click the donate button and uh, chip in a little bit to help uh, Bob and his firm do their work. In our remaining time here, um, we step back a little bit from this specific case. This is just the long line of liberal judges take a very hostile view trying to drive religion and specifically Christianity out of the public square, out of government and as out of our, out of public life as much as possible. What's going on here? What is the what is the agenda for doing this? I have my view. What's, what's your I, view? Well, look, it's uh, you start with the name of the organization, Freedom from Religion Foundation. It's their goal to uh, eliminate faith, religion from entirely from the public arena in the United States, and and I think that is uh, what's behind this whole thing. Right, and what I th- I believe that that's correct, but the reason is because it's the underpinning of American exceptionalism is the underpinning of the country is this Judeo-Christian moral foundation, and they want to take that away. And for the related reason is they want nothing. They want the, the citizens to look to the government as their Lord and Savior, not God and Jesus Christ or Buddha, or anybody else. And yes, I agree with that. I, I am 100% agree with you. And, you know, I just got back from Africa, and, you know, they, unfortunately, a lot of other countries don't have the rich tradition that we have of having a, a, a nation that was founded uh, and, and united in uh, a Judeo-Christian ethic. That's not only morally, but a work ethic, uh, a drive to be more efficient, a drive to be uh, prudent, uh, a drive to have uh, more of a pure society and protect ourselves from those immoral things that exist around us. And and they want to drive and eliminate that. And when they do, I, I, I think that what you see is the American exceptionalism will wane because of that. Mm. Well, hopefully another four years of... Uh uh, you know, make America great, keep America great will help to provide a fertile backdrop for maintaining and advancing that cause. Bob Tyler, thank you so much for being with us today to help us understand the impact of this very fresh decision by the Ninth. What is it? The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The Ninth Circus. Right. The Ninth Circus, yes. And yeah. appreciate you being with us, and you're welcome back anytime, any, whenever these kinds of cases break, so we can keep our folks informed. That'll do it for us here on the United IU Radio Show. Tune in every Saturday at 4 p.m. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.